0: The Pinball Network is online. Launching Just Another Pinball Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Joel Engelberth with Just Another Pinball Podcast, episode 12. Episode 12, excited to uh, yeah, record this for you tonight. And um, tonight's going to be a little different, just because uh, there's a lot that's happened in the last few days. And so, instead of doing my normal format of a little little bit of everything i i really want to spend the episode focusing on on deep root and, and what's happened with deep root um over the last few days so first off i mean i've only been in this hobby roughly three years and and there's believe it or not there's there's drama associated to different designers and different companies that have that's gone on for a long time and so um a real brief history of deep root is um it actually kind of starts with, um, there's a designer named John Papaduke and John Papaduke. He designed theater of magic, world cup soccer, um, circus Voltaire. He's, he, he has a very whimsical design, um, ability and and his games are, are, are highly regarded, um, for their look and, and their design overall design. Well, he went off and, and did his own company, um, and by all means, there's plenty of pinball historians out there, and I will probably mess up this history, but I, I'm just giving it giving it my best here. But he went off and did his own company called Zidware, and with Zidware, he actually designed a game called Magic Girl, and then he was working on Alice in Wonderland. And both of these games, um, this was actually the beginning of Zombie Yeti, the artist who just did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Avengers. Um, so he actually found zombie Eddie and zombie Eddie designed all the art for both of those games. And at the time that was leagues above any other art package on, on any of the games. So we had a designer that was known for a very whimsical design capabilities, really cool mechs. And then on top of that, we now have this brand new pinball artist that just blew everybody out of the water with, with how great the games look. Well, um, he sold Magic Girl and he only sold a few, like it was a it was a limited run and the games were really expensive, like over $20,000. And the issue was the games weren't finished. They played, but not really. There were, there were mechs in them that didn't work. There were things, there were just unfinished parts in the game. And um, the problem was from a sales standpoint, he was selling um, Alice in Wonderland and Magic Girl and... It was like, buy this. If you, if you put down money, I think you get them cheaper. I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, what happened was there were people that had money in on Magic Girl and there were people that had money on Alice in Wonderland. And there were people that never ended up getting games. Um, basically, he took their money and didn't finish any of it. Um, and that upset a lot of people in the pinball hobby. So even though John Papaduke was really well known and liked for some of his older games, uh, you know, in the last, whatever, 10 years, he has not been liked because he basically took a lot of money from people and did not deliver on a game. So why does that matter with Deep Root? Well, Deep Root, that this company has been founded by, uh, I think it's Robert Mueller. Um, this guy's, Apparently he owns other companies and deep root pinball is just like a subsidiary of a bigger company. And so this is just an endeavor that Robert apparently has a passion for pinball and he started this company. Well, he went out and he hired John Papaduke. So there are a lot of people that are like this, this company's doomed from the start. You just hired one of the most hated people in pinball. But at the same time, there's there are people that absolutely love John Papaduke games. And so, Hey, okay, now that instead of him running his own company, he actually works for a company, maybe they can keep him in line, get things going, you know, this is good. This, so some people were on board for John Duke. other people were like, you just really messed up hiring somebody who's who's hated so much. Well, there was a lot of legal battles going on in the background with the people that had given, given money to Zidware for Alice in Wonderland and Magic Girl, and um, so those were some legal issues, troubles going on in the background. Well, I have to say props to Robert Mueller. He kind of took on that burden and financially he's saying, okay, I am going to make right what was wrong with this other company. So he's actually offered these people, um, basically he's offered, Hey, you can have one of our new games or I'll refund your money. And he actually has, he has actually paid out of, you know, Deep Root has no association with Zidware or the, the products that That John Popper had made in the past, but he's like, you know, for the sake of our company and just out of, you know, goodwill, I'm going to help these people that were, you know, left dry, basically. Um, And he's done that. So, so far, yeah, Deep Root has actually given money out, but they've yet to take any money from anybody. They have not pre-ordered anything. Um, So they've tried to make right some of the wrongs in the past, and then they've actually hired some really great designers they they hired um some other designers I, I think dennis norman was one of them and i'd have to look sorry about the click wheel you're about to hear just because i want to make sure i'm saying this right um they hired do, 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 do. yeah robert or well robert mueller did one dennis nordman um ausler barry ausler yeah, a few other good designers that were very popular designers, and then John Papaduke. So they got this great team of designers going. And then on top of that, they hired Steve Bowden. Steve Bowden's actually really well known and respected in the in the in the pinball industry. He's a competitive player. He's a super nice guy, knows rules like the back of his hand. So they hired this guy to come in and do rules. And so people started looking at this as well, if they're grabbing all this talent, um, and they're grabbing like Steve Bowden up and move from, I think it was like New York to Texas. Like something must be happening here. Um, well, the other thing about deep root is Robert Mueller has spent all of this time. Cause this, this has been going on for a few years, just talking about how deep root is going to revolutionize pinball. Deep root is going to, come out with innovations that pinball has never seen. So he's been talking a very big game for quite a while about all the things that Deep Root's going to do, how much better these machines are going to be. It's a joke where the pinball industry is at right now. We're going to be able to manufacture games faster. We're going to be able to manufacture more games than all the other pinball um, creators out there. We're going to pinball companies out there. We're going to do everything where everything's better everything shouldn't be this hard. Pinball's easy. That's one of his quotes. So he's been talking a big game and some people really hate that. And other people are like, you know what, you can talk all you want, but until you deliver something, I don't really care. You also, you can talk all you want, as long as you don't ask anybody for any money. You know, if you want to, if you want to burn your dollars making this thing, we'll believe you when we see it kind of thing, which is fine. So deep roots kind of, ever since I've been in the hobby, deep roots kind of always been in the background is like this up, coming potential thing that could be good well what was it uh texas pinball festival not this year but last year there was this big announcement that they were going to have the five days of deep root so they were going to do basically a five-day seminar going through all the different new technical advances that deep root had created so this is not this year 2020 but last year 2019 Well, a few months prior to Texas Pinball Festival, they realized that they were not in a position to be able to do that. So they canceled it. So that was cancellation number one, that people are like, okay, you know, you're talking a big game, but yet you still haven't shown anything. You set a date, you missed the date. Well, they pushed it back to Texas Pinball Festival 2020, which was this year. So all up and going into Texas Pinball Festival, nothing, you know, all the language, all the marketing, all the talk was just... Yep, just wait, just wait, just wait and see. Well, they had planned this huge event to happen a few days before Texas Pinball Festival where they were going to invite a whole bunch of people, customers, and media in and just show off all the things that Deep Root's doing correctly. Well, that was in March, I think, of this year. Well, COVID hit. So uh, as soon as Texas Pinball was Festival was canceled, it was shortly thereafter they decided just due to safety reasons and everything, we're going to go ahead and, and cancel the Deep Root event. Well, at that point in time, there were people saying, you know, well, if you're prepared to do this event, then it sounds like you would be prepared to, you have something to show. So why not do it virtually? Why not, you know, show us something, give us some pictures, give us literally anything? Um, and everybody would just kind of sat around and twiddled their thumbs and waited for Deep Root to show something. You know, you said you were prepared to do this huge event. Well, Now the date for the event has come and gone and we're sitting and waiting and still nothing, 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 nothing. So that's kind of event number two, that even though COVID was the reason it was canceled, we also still felt that they kind of once again missed their date because they didn't show anything. They showed nothing um, at that time. Um, What I will say is before Texas Pinball Festival, there was another um, arcade convention. It was in Houston like Houston Arcade Expo or something. And there, they actually showed a game, and that was Raza. And Raza is a Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, is what it stands for. And this was like a third game that John Papaduke was designing at the time with Zidware and whatnot. So Raza, he designed that. Well, at Houston, there was no big announcement. There was no nothing. And all all we all saw on Pinside and all we really saw anywhere were, like, phone picks and and picks that, that people, you know, crappy cell phone video that people tried to take at the convention and it just wasn't a good portrayal of the game um, until some other pictures were released but um, what Deep Root was very clear at saying was everything that you see is a prototype like this is not our cabinet this is not our the play field we're going to make like nothing on here is finalized. So it was, it was one of those things where we actually were able to see something, but yet they didn't really take ownership of it. They're just like, this is a test machine. We're just putting this on location to see what people think and what's going on and yada, yada, yada. So it's, if there was anything we didn't like about what we saw, you know, we could just chuck it up as well as a test machine. This is a beta machine, or this isn't the final anything. So during, when they showed that at Houston, um, Expo or Cade Expo or whatnot, they're There wasn't any real innovation that we saw. The only thing that we saw that looked unique was the back box display was a long, thin display, like longer and wider than a DMD display. But it wasn't like a normal LCD format whatsoever. So it's like, okay, they're doing something interesting with the the LCD layout, kind of this ultra wide display kind of thing that was about it when it came to innovation. I mean, other than that, it just looked like a pinball machine. The art looked pretty good, but people were complaining about one of the ramps and kind of the way it shot. And there really wasn't much there with code. So we really couldn't see much of anything. So here we are. It's kind of, they set a goal, they miss a goal, they set a goal, they miss a goal. Well, um, recently they started this marketing campaign where it was every day they were showing new numbers and it was like, and the numbers ended up being 9, 21, 20. So everybody knew September 21st, there was gonna be something. Something was gonna happen. something was gonna happen September 21st. Well, as we got closer to that, we started to learn that there were a few pinball media people that were invited to this event. So they they were gonna have their big deep root event, but it was gonna be small. It was gonna be like an intimate thing to bring in this pinball media. And um, there were some there were six people they invited. All podcasters or, or some sort of pinball media in some sort. They invited them to this event over the weekend. And so here we are, Monday, waiting for something. Well, we, we weren't hearing anything. There was no like Monday at noon, Monday at five, like prepare for a Twitch stream, prepare for this, prepare for that. There was nothing. Well, as Monday rolled on, all of a sudden we get a message from Deep Root and it basically said, Hey, we're sorry but we invited these people in and after they played the game and saw some of our stuff we realized there are things that we need to change there are things we need to fix and this machine was more at a beta stage than we realized and so for the sake of you know this this game and for our company we're going to wait and we're going to wait and show this when we're ready and that's all we heard on monday and so if you want to talk about that and what that means Go listen to Loser Kid, the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. You probably already have, but it's a great podcast where the two guys on Loser Kid um, are discussing with Zach and Dennis from This Week in Pinball, or not This Week in Pinball, uh, the pinball show, and they have a great conversation on what their view is on that quote-unquote reveal or lack of reveal. Because as, yeah, as of yesterday, Monday, they had not released anything. There was nothing besides that statement. And so everybody was scratching their head of like, well, how bad can this game be if six outsiders can come in and say, don't do this, don't show this. You have this entire pinball company of of experienced pinball designers, so it's it's gotten through their approval process, but now six outsiders come in and say, don't do it. You know, something's there's issues here or this is not ready or whatever. And to their credit, you know, like Kerry Hardy was one of those and he released a video today and he's like, I'm under NDA. I can't really say anything, but you need to trust me that them waiting is a good move, which is good. That's I'm, that's fine. It's just once again, that shows this company as they set a goal. They missed a goal. Um, well, somehow yesterday there were two pictures that were leaked. They were leaked of the machine and um, the main takeaways that we got from that leak were one the cabinet looks totally different than any other pinball machine cabinet the back box is kind of floating it 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 just it's a very interesting look some people like it some people think it's awful Um, the back box itself has this um, instead of a translate or a back box or a back glass on the front The it kind of wraps around the left and right side as well, so it illuminates the edges or the sides of the back box as well, which is a a neat or a unique feature. Um, All stainless steel rails; they didn't powder coat anything. Um, There, there's a bunch. So we're gonna go through, and I'm gonna kind of discuss what all it looks like. But this those two leaked images created a whole lot of discussion on Pinside and there were people nitpicking at it and what is this and what is that and oh my goodness this looks terrible or oh that actually looks really cool. Well I think those two leaked images kind of sparked Deep Root and Robert Deep Root to go ahead and at least reveal something and so um today um on this week in pinball there is actually a really good article that goes and breaks down everything that they want to release or kind of mention and that's kind of what what i want to go through it's a long article so i'm happy to discuss this but i would definitely suggest going on this week in pinball and looking at these pictures that i'm discussing um but this is what in my opinion this is what they should have revealed yesterday if if they weren't gonna reveal the game or game footage or something, they're, they're this is a huge article and they're listing there's probably 10 or 15 things I'm gonna go through, and these are all things that they could have sprinkled out. Like just give us one of those things and then a week later give us another thing. And if and if they're if they need more time, if they need a few more months, that's fine. But there's a ton of content here that they could have been sharing over the last few months or could start you know to share over the next few months. But they kind of just threw it all out there. And I think it's due to some of the leaks that had happened yesterday. So please look at the, the listen to the Loser Kid Pinball podcast for kind of more on what yesterday was and what it felt like. But then today, let's talk about some of the stuff that we saw here on the This Week in Pinball uh, website. So number one, the cabinet. Um, first off, the cabinet has hinged glass so like a hinged back glass not back glass like a playfield glass so instead of every other pinball machine that has a lockdown bar that pops off and then you slide the glass out Um, I know alien pinball had kind of a frame that would pop off but this has like hydraulic like um, uh, cylinders in the back so it looks like there's some sort of unlock in the front and then it lifts open almost like a car hood Um, which to be honest it sounds kind of convenient like that, that actually would be pretty nice. And to my surprise, that's on all models. So all three models, there's, it's a three tiered system. All three models have this kind of advanced backlash. but there are three tiers. They're calling the arcade edition, the AE edition, the X edition, and then the extra X as in the letter extra edition. That's like the limited edition. So if you're used to starting, you have pro premium LE, this would be the arcade, The Arcade Edition, the X Edition, and the Extra Edition is what they're saying. So they're saying that the Arcade Edition, it has like a standard back box with standard or a hinge that we're familiar with. Now, just because the back box looks as the same type of physical factor, form factor, they're saying you still get that panoramic wrapped backlit artwork. So it looks like you have the artwork that goes on the front and on the sides, which is going to be unique. I I think it'll be... I always think it's like side artwork on a cabinet. I always think it's interesting because if you have more than one machine, you don't really ever see it because they're all pushed up against each other. But on the back box, maybe having that light up or would be, for an independent machine or like one that's sitting by itself, it's probably pretty attractive. Uh, But that's definitely something I'd be interested in seeing in person. Um, And then it also, the regular, the standard or the arcade edition also has the ultra wide display. So right off the bat, visually the back box looks different and the display instead of having a huge you know 20 something inch display like jjp games have or have kind of the smaller display like stern has this has, it almost looks more like a Chicago gaming display, but instead of displaying dots, it is an actual display. So it's a unique, it's a very unique layout. Um, and so it looks more familiar to like an older game with, with like the DMD where, where it's a very wide and thin display, but it's even wider than that. So a very unique look. I mean, this game automatic already just looks different than other games uh, for sure. And then the X edition and the extra edition, that's where you start to get this floating black back box where where the DMD is actually kind of raised above the play field and then the back box is raised above that. So it's a very unique feel. Some people hate it. Some people love it. And my only question is, how different does this, you know, does that back box, is it now, is that thing like three inches taller than a standard pinball machine? Because a lot of people, if you have a collection of five or ten machines, you kind of want them all to fit or kind of look all similar or all be at similar heights. So if this, if the if this arcade cabinet really stands out dimensionally, I think people will actually potentially hate that more than like that. Because I doubt this is this is a small enough company that it's it's too niche to I don't know i i don't know how many people would only own one pin and it happened to be a deep root pin but maybe they would maybe i'm maybe i'm completely wrong um other things there are three different options for the actual cabinet side art so option number one is like a vinyl wrap which is very common that's what we're used to seeing but apparently they're adding an additional gloss coating to make it shinier or more attractive or maybe more durable the second one is a direct print on wood. Now like Spooky Pinball has that and they call it their butter cabinet where you know all these vinyl wraps are printed now with a large di- digital inkjet printer. Well, instead of printing on vinyl what they're doing is they're printing directly on the wood and then putting a coating on that and they're calling Deep Roots calling that their pin armor coating which is a high gloss like super durable coating. So that's kind of a direct competitive to or competitor to Uh, The spooky butter cabinet, or like rad cows, that kind of thing. And then the last option, which I think is really interested, is this backlit double-printed PETG lighted side art panels. Um, And so they're basically saying the sides of their cabinets will glow, or you know, kind of how your back box glows with a trans light. They're saying your cabinet sides are going to glow like that. So I'm very curious how the structure of the cabinet would work to add LED lighting behind it. Or is it just almost like an LED thin, um, kind of like a e-paper or like where it's electronically printed thin panel that's behind? I don't know. I'm very curious to see how those are going to light up. I know um, Highway Pinball did something similar with their side panels to light up. But that, that would be very interesting. Is that something that I would ever pay extra for? No, probably not. Because once again, my, my games are going to be stuck between other games. But maybe if you want this to be on the end, then it's worth paying. I don't know. But so already we're, we're sensing here and you're going to see a common t- trend. There's a lot of customization that Deep Root is trying to promote. I know Stern, when you order a Pro, a Premium, or LE, I don't think you can really have them. Maybe you can have them install a shaker motor, but that's about it. Like they don't really give you any customization options. While I know like Spooky Pinball, they send you a like a build list and they basically say, let us know what all you want us to add to your game. Do you want plastic protectors? Do you want the shaker motor? Do you want a real knocker? Do you want uh, the butter cabinet? Do you want like they give you a whole list of stuff, stickers on your targets and everything you choose you pay for, but you can very much customize and get all the bells and whistles or none of the bells and whistles. Um, but you have a lot of options here and it sounds, so it looks like deep root is definitely approaching that same model of customization. So other available options, standard glass or anti-reflective glass. So speaking of, or fingerprint resistant glass, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I've heard of that yet. I know a lot of people like the anti-reflective glass. There's a ton out there like, um, invisiglass and voodoo glass there's a whole bunch of stuff like that but i don't know if any of them are advertised as fingerprint resistant glass the other thing i'm curious about with the glass is with this hinged glass frame does it still use a standard glass size and the reason i i say that is because there's a lot of there's a lot of people i mean glass can break or people are used to buying more in bulk where they may buy it you know multiple sheets of Invisiglass, glass and, and most, almost every pinball machine, a lot of them all use the same size glass. Well, if this ends up being a unique size, then that means expensive. It means it's proprietary. It means if you break your glass, you have to buy one from deep root. If you want a replacement, you got to buy one from deep root. And so I hope that's a standard glass size, but we'll just have to wait and see. Other lightings, additional GI lighting. To the underneath of the glass frame that provides variable diffused lightings of the playfield area. So essentially what they're saying is pin Stadiums. Um, some sort of LED strip that's that's now built into the glass frame um, to have built in pin Stadiums. To be honest, I'm all for that. Uh, I I... I'm a fan of what Penn Stadiums are. I'm not the biggest fan of the price, but they do what they do, they do very well. I, I had actual Penn Stadium lights in when I owned a shadow. I had them in that, and it really adds a lot to the game, especially there's some darker games out there, and being able to see the game is way more enjoyable than not. And now I have something similar to Penn Stadiums that I use when I stream just because I need as much light as I can on the play field for the cameras to pick that up. So I'm all about adding additional lighting. So the fact that that's actually built in as an option is huge. And to be honest, I'm very surprised that like Spooky, JGP, or Stern, none of them have added that as a feature because I think they, I think it would sell. I think it absolutely would sell. So those are the main things for the cabinet that they're that they're really boasting about that. it, I mean, it does look different for sure. Now, one of their main things that they're really excited about, they're calling it the pin bar. So and that's standard on all games, all models. So imagine you have your traditional lockdown bar, which is just a few inches wide metal bar. Well, they're basically replacing that with, it It looks to be a touch screen, like a touch sensitive screen. Yeah, and there's some really good pictures, once again, on This Week in Pinball. They have, uh, they've released these pictures, but right there where your hands go and where your hands rest, you know, Stern has the action button, JJP has the action button in the middle of the play field or the middle of the lockdown bar. Well, imagine instead you have a... Uh, a touch screen right there instead it looks to be maybe three inches tall three or four inches tall by the width of the play field mach- or the, the width of the machine itself and they are really excited about this and it looks like it does a ton um, so first off it shows like everything while you're playing, which is probably great while you're playing, because typically you're you're focused down at the at the at the flippers. You're looking down in that direction anyways. So to have the score or your objectives or your timers or whatever right there instead of having to lift your head up and look away from the ball is is great. I think that's a great idea. Um, I know um, JJP has with Pirates of the Caribbean. They have a little display down in that area to show you what shot you should shoot next. Or I know with a P3 Multimorphic, I was talking to Kevin Manning at Buffalo Pinball. He owns one, and he has a back box LCD screen for the Multimorphic machine. But he's like, you know what? I never look at it. I'm always looking down at the play field because the play field has a built-in screen. So he, that's where he can see all the information he needs. So to keep for the player to have something that you can read or look at down there is awesome. That's great. Um, so I'm I get that. What I find interesting is the touchscreen capabilities. And I don't know how useful that is, how hard that's going to be. You know, like when I hit the the action button on a Stern machine, I barely, I rarely look for it. I just know where it is and you can feel where it is. So if it's touch sensitive, you really don't get any sort of tactile feedback. So I'm very curious if you'll know if you're hitting in the right spot, whether or not your hands are resting on it or touching it. I mean, that's really definitely something that will have to be played but they, I mean, they're bragging about that this thing does everything. I mean, the there is no start button on these games. Apparently, you're gonna start it by doing the touch screen. There, the menu buttons. If you open the coin door, there's no buttons inside there. Everything's gonna be on the touch screen. Um, they are saying it does everything. Uh, this computer by the way is connected to the internet. Do you you have to connect it to the internet? They are expecting this game to be kind of an always on thing, something you plug in and you leave on. So it must have some sort of sleep mode or something, but their whole idea there is, you know, if you have internet capabilities or connection, then it can do automatic code updates. It can it can, you know, you can access your machine from anywhere. You can do a lot of stuff there. And so being that it has internet access, the thing, there were three points that I thought were very interesting was the, the goal is for it to do video support calls. So if your machine goes down, somehow you're interacting with the with the guy right there through, you know, you have video. Does that mean there's a camera built in somewhere on this game? I don't know. But then they said multiplayer remote play and multiplayer video chat. So once again, video chat, is there a camera somewhere on this game? I, I don't know. But if you're telling me, that that right there is saying their their goal is internet connectivity where you're playing with or against your friends and if you're telling me that the goal is for this pin bar to have a video display right down there so i can see my friends or interact with them that's kind of cool um so i'm very curious of what all they're going to do there but they they are really pushing this and and they had a had a comment that was basically like we we're looking forward to the day where when people walk up to the pinball machine, instead of them saying, where's the start button, because they're looking at the pin bar and realize they have to use that, they're hoping people walk up to pinball machines and say, well, where's the pin bar? And I mean, that's those are the types of comments that Deep Root says a lot. They seem very arrogant. But um, you know what? If, if they end up doing that, then good for them. Um, so the pin bar is very interesting. Uh, some of the other complaints that we, people were complaining about is if you look at the, being that it doesn't have a lockdown bar, it's just this touchscreen that's that's wrapped in a, in a stainless steel frame. Well, this the frame definitely looks to be kind of sharp. It looks to have kind of some sharp edges. And so that's potential feedback that, that people had where that maybe it just, the moment you put your hands on it, it just feels terrible and it doesn't feel like you want to nudge the machine or hold the machine. I mean, people are very picky about the way you know, a game feels. And when you're interacting with the game with basically just your hands and your fingers, you better make sure the flipper buttons feel right and that your hands, where you rest your hands or your palms feels good. So I'm very curious of of how that feels. And then also people have complaints of if this is a screen and it basically runs your machine, well, if somebody spills a beer on it, am I out of luck? You know, uh, like you've just put a very valuable important piece of, you know, equipment right in the place that people would set a drink at a bar. So very curious what that is. So definitely look that up. Um, there were some images, and the screen looks cool. Like it definitely looks cool. So I'm I, you know, I will I'm happy to try that out, that's for sure. The play field. Now, one of the things that Deep Root has been bragging about or talking about for years is how how much of a joke um, the play field quality is for other companies there are play field quality issues all over the place whether it's printing issues or pooling issues or dimpling issues or ghosting issues um robert has made a lot of comments of like we will have a warranty on our play fields which nobody else has of like this should not wear out you should not get this you should not get it when you open the machine and you should not get it a year later you know if your if your machine's dimpled and cratered you know, after a year and th- a thousand plus plays, like that's ridiculous. Like he's he basically says it's it's absurd to get that type of wear and tear. And so everybody's very curious of what what's going on there to the point where even in the last few weeks, he was asking for quotes from whether it was publications or um, other people in the pinball, you know, manufacturing community that basically said that dimples should are totally fine and they're expected and it's not a big deal. Like He almost wants ammo of, of, look at all these people that are saying it's fine, and then look at our, ours, because ours doesn't do that. Well, they have, they showed their new playfield to these six uh, news people, and they're calling it pin armor, but what they did say, or what they did report, was when they compared that playfield to another playfield, sure, they could hit it with a hammer, they could drop pinballs on it, and nothing dented, nothing did anything. So it was doing what they what they were talking about. But they said if you felt it, if you put your hand on the play field and you felt it, it kind of had an orange peel-like feel to it. And the only thing that I can think of there, once again, going with my limited, well, not limited, but my printing expertise would be, you know, if they're spraying on some sort of varnish here and it starts to pool in any way or it's not drying or curing in a in a, in a a good, um, stable environment, like I, I don't know, maybe it's their something wasn't mixed correctly or something wasn't right for it to, for it to not like, you know, lay down itself. I'm just very curious of what compounds are in that clear coat that would cause that. But what surprised me even more and what's quoted in the article is that this is an early version of the pin armor. I don't understand that at all. Um, Just because they have been they have been talking about how amazing their playfields are or are going to be for a long time. That is something that they've said, you know, we've worked really hard to make sure that our playfields are different than everybody else and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they've been bragging about this for a very, very, very long time. And so were they just bragging about something that they hadn't actually made yet? Or if they've made it, how is this still considered an early version? Because if this is the version that they've been kind of tweaking for the last year or two years or more well if this is early then how long do we have to wait for the final version i i don't i just i thought that was an interesting choice of words to admit or say that this is an early version so um another random side comment the artwork on this machine i think looks great i mean i like the colors i think the art itself looks good whether it's the back box or the cabinet art or the playfield art All around, I mean, visually, I I do like the art itself. I would say probably that's the best part of this reveal that I've seen so far. Um, The next point they talked about is the audio. So standard is 2.1, which would be two speakers in the back box and one sub in the cabinet. Um, But there are options here for a 4.1 speaker setup, which is they're calling it the... um, I don't know if I want to try to pronounce this just because... Auroral... A-U-R-A-L, the Auroral Aurora Envelope. I guarantee I've said that wrong. Absolutely. Um, that's what they describe it, but they there's, there are two extra speakers on the front of the game. So not the front of the back box, but the very front of the game to the left and right of the coin door. And what's funny is in the leaked pictures, you just saw these little vents. And so people are like are those air vents? Is that a, like a crotch fan <laughs> or are those speakers and why are they crotch level? Well, they're saying they're speakers and they're pointed up or firing up towards you or towards your ears. And apparently they're mid range speakers. So what would be interesting there is if you have those, I'd be curious if like the call outs and whatnot, are in those speakers pointed more at you while the back box speakers are more the environmental music and whatnot. I don't know, but um, I do know like TNA has an amazing sound package and, and, Jersey Jack puts great speakers in their games and and you can end up some of the upgraded speakers and sterns, you know, when you have a really good sound package and a really good sound environment, that's awesome. Um, so I'd be very curious if you notice a difference with that 4.1 compared to a 2.1, but those could be really cool or they could just be kind of a gimmick. I don't really know. Um, they did talk about, the electrical side, I'm not going to get into that because I really don't understand it. But they they're bragging about some stuff about two power supplies and blah blah blah. If if the electrical thing, if you have questions there or are curious about it, check out the article um, for sure. Um, another thing they mentioned was a one person setup bracket. So they're saying it's almost like this bracket that helps you lower the machine down, or set up the machine. So they've invented some sort of metal bracket to assist with that, knowing that the, that there are a lot of times people are doing this by themselves, bending over, lifting it up, or setting it on a stool. So curious what the bracket is, but they do talk about how the bracket, you can use it and then take it off, or you can actually take it off and potentially put it on any other machine. So is that going to be something that people find themselves attaching to, you know, any other pinball machine when they go to move it? I don't know, but um, thought that was interesting. Um, assisted leveling. So apparently they have, there's a there's an iPhone app called, uh, I forget, Pinbot or something. It, it basically, you set your phone, you calibrate your phone using the, the level that's built into it. You calibrate your phone and then you put it on the, the pinball play field. And so while you're hunched over the, or underneath the, the, the pinball machine, raising and lowering feet, it's telling you, you know, Point one, point one degree low left, point one degree low left over and over again, and, and you adjust. Well, what they're saying is there is a assisted leveling guidance that's built in the machine. So what it tells me is there's an accelerometer in the game or some sort of what is it, a gyroscope or something in the game, so it knows how level the machine is. And so it's probably telling you this is where, you know, this is what's lower, this is what's high, and this is how you need to adjust it. On top of that, they're saying there are these foot locks. So there's something that would allow you to easily adjust the the legs. Because right now, the best technique is you crawl under a pinball machine. You arch your back. They call it like a turtle. You arch your back to cause, you know, you're basically using your back to lift the machine off the carpet or whatever you're working on so that the legs are free. And then that way you can use either a wrench or your hands to raise or lower the, the legs. So they're saying they invented something there to help with that. And then another thing that they're bragging about—they're calling it the pin pod—and I'm not gonna lie on the Discord, the the, the the Discord channels that I'm a part of, there's a lot of people having fun with this. So what's the pin pod? Well, the pin pod is essentially a wooden crate. They've made a fancy wooden crate to uh, deliver this machine. It has different clamps or whatnot, and they're basically saying this is a reusable crate, so you could do it unlock it it folds flat it all goes up but then if you want to transport another pinball machine you can put it back together and you have another crate to move another machine what's my view on that i don't understand that at all because i will tell you i just bought you know i bought my turtles new in box and it came in a huge box and that's the first pinball machine that i've moved in a box And I thought that would help. And no, it did not help. It it just made it way bigger. It was way harder to get down the stairs. There's less to hold on to. There's less to grab. And then after I get the, the, the machine out of the box, I now have this huge box. Now, my daughter loves this box. She's been playing in this box. It's a great fort. But would I ever pay extra for a wooden box that adds weight and makes it harder? No, I don't. I don't understand that. I just think that's that they either have engineers sitting around there twiddling their thumbs and they're thinking, well, what's the next thing to over-engineer? And apparently, it's a cardboard box. Um, so, very interesting there. Um, software. They call it the PINRDE. PINRDE. So, Pinball Rapid Development Engine. This is weird. They are bragging about it being a point-and-click device to rapidly develop the core framework of the game. So I think Stern has said that their game is coded in like... I think it's like C++ or something. But it's coded in a common code... Like a common computer code language. So if you have software developers out there... Like they know this language. It's not like they have some proprietary language that they're coding in. Well, apparently Deep Root's gone the extra mile... And they've made their own software, their own framework... That they're saying they could rapidly develop the core framework to a game. So the goal... They're bragging that they should be able to develop um, software code for a game within weeks compared to months just because the software they use to actually write the code is way easier to use. I don't understand, like, I don't get that as as a selling point. Um, That to me means, I don't know, does that mean it's really limited? Like, for example, in web design, I remember when back in college I had to do some web design, and this was... This was at the beginning of, there were there were software packages out there. I mean, now there's, what is it, like WordPress and Wix and stuff where it's like these very easy user interfaced ways to lay out a website. And so a professional web designer, they may use that to lay out 80% of the website, but then they're still having to spend 20% of their time actually writing custom stuff. Otherwise you end up with a very basic website. So that's what I'm very curious of here. Are you saying everything is written in this? Because if so, does that mean it's actually somewhat limiting? Or is this just where they can do the core, the core framework? That is what they're saying. And then they do the custom writing outside of it. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting thing to brag about. But um, something they're talking about, um, they say the word omni-channel. So omni-channel apparently is a way that you can access your, mach- your machine and scores anywhere. So they're talking about basically having like an iPhone app. Where, you know, if somebody asks, well, hey, how's how's how was your Raza games last night? It's like, well, let me look at my scores. And you can pull out your app and look and you can see how how well you played last night. Because once again, your pinball machine is supposed to be left on, and then you can access that. Speaking of access, they have something that they're trademarking called pin access. One thing I'm finding is their marketing department just adds the word pin in front of a lot of words and they've trademarked it and they've called it their own. But um, so you got pin pod, pin pin bar, uh, pin armor. Uh, what do we got? So that was, uh, pin access. So this looks to be a app to access your scores and community features. So it's supposed to be more, I'm assuming it's like you'll make friends and then that way I can see their scores. They can see my scores. We can all check together on this app and kind of compare things and do things. I don't know, but they apparently they wrote that. Another thing they're bragging about the software is apparently it logs every shot that you make. So you can, apparently they're talking about how you could go back and look at, okay, I just played that game and what order did I do that? And maybe there's a better order. Or they're basically saying, if you want to go through and analyze what you've done, you might be able to find a better way. You could help with your scores. Or one of the things I thought was interesting that they talked about was that you could almost compete against other people in tasks instead of just score. So it's like, all right, we're going to see who can hit this shot 20 times go. And being that the thing tracks it, maybe you can actually set that in in the future of like shut my game off. As soon as I hit 20, I don't, I I mean, I'm, I think that's cool. I think for a speed running standpoint, that could be cool if that's tracking different things or, or allow you to kind of customize different goals or objectives, or maybe with those community features, they, instigate that of like all right start a game first to hit every ramp four times each you know who can do that in the shortest amount of time I don't know there's maybe you can do some really cool stuff with that um so yeah I mean that's kind of it for all the the features that they that they've been bragging about adding but um I just think it's really interesting I mean there's a lot there and so if people are saying what have you been doing for the last two years well there's a lot of physical d that they've been doing They've been trying a lot of new stuff. There's a lot of, I mean, it seems like they just over-engineered almost every different aspect of a pinball machine. Apparently, they're writing their own software platform to write. They're writing all these apps. I mean, Stern has been talking about internet connectivity for a while now. Even JJP is talking about internet connectivity for a while now. And there's they've yet to redo, you know, release anything from a community standpoint. JJP is the closest right now where you can update your game wirelessly through the internet but that's about it so i mean i'm assuming they've had a whole team that's focused entirely on that stuff so there is a lot there it's just a shame that none of it's really been shown visually shown and there's just a lot of like okay i i get it i see what you're doing i'm curious i'm definitely curious so i don't know maybe that's my, my main takeaway that i'm Am I in a position to put money down? No. Do I have any idea what these are going to cost? No. Am I going to jump on this tomorrow or next day or eight months from now when it's released? Probably not. I'm just not that type of buyer. I'm not in that type of position to buy that stuff. But am I curious? 100%. Absolutely. I will gladly, at a show, walk up to this game or a bar and give it a shot. I'm all for trying something new. If that touchscreen actually adds a lot to it, awesome. You know, there's, I'm not a huge fan of the action button because on a lot of games, it's just a button that you mash, but on other games, it it makes a lot of sense. It adds to the game. And so if there are features that that thing actually makes life a lot easier or adds really cool, like a really cool aspect to the gameplay, sure. Like I'm, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, I'm not offended by the way the cabin looks. I think the cabinet looks. I think some people just think the floating head looks dumb. I I don't care. I mean, I doubt I would buy the high-end model anyways, just from a cost standpoint. But I, I you know, as a visual person that, that really likes art and graphics and light, I think that wraparound display is pretty neat. I think the, you know, the, the fact that the glass raises up is pretty neat. Oh, that's a, that is another thing. So when you look at certain pictures, if you think about it, the play field, this this play field, uh, the pin bar is a few inches tall. And so, and it ends kind of flush or slightly raised above the glass. And so some people have said, you know, we're used to a lock bar being just a few inches and then you have your apron, but your apron's well below the glass. So your line of sight to your flippers, there's really nothing in the way. Well, some people are worried that this pin bar is so wide and tall that for shorter players, you've now just put an obstacle between your eyes and the flippers. And of all the things you need to look at on the on a pinball machine, your flippers are definitely the most important thing. So that that is absolutely, you know, if I had a chance to step up to one of these machines tomorrow, what am I what are my first things that I'm gonna look at? Well, I wanna know how it feels. Does it feel heavy? Does it nudge well? Is it comfortable on the hands? how does the 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 the, um the touch sensitive uh pin bar work and apparently they talked about that in the article that that was one of the things that wasn't wasn't working correctly for um the people that were there so that's kind of concerning a little bit because apparently this is a very interactive and very important feature on these games um but I'm all for trying it. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely curious. But am I a first buyer or in for that? No, I just, I'm not. But I'm not like that in any pin. Um, so there's a lot of mixed emotions there. I mean, there are people that feel burned by John Papaduke and will never give him a dollar again. There are plenty of people in this hobby that have a lot of money and will gladly buy any new game just to give it a shot. Um, but I hope that there will be, you know, I hope I have an opportunity to try these games because I do think they, they do show... Some cool new features. Um, Innovation is their favorite word. That's what they love. They love saying they've innovated this and this and this. I think some people get really upset about the word innovation in pinball because they don't feel like, you know, when you compare it to anything else in life or any other industry, you know, these are not innovative things, but it's unique to that game or it's a new feature within pinball. Um, The last thing the article says is at the bottom, it lists. A bunch of their future titles, so things they're working on. Um, so, number one, fire and brimstone. Apparently, this is a Bible themed game, so very interesting. There, I mean, a uh, popular topic, a lot of people know it. Um, very curious what you would do there with the pinball machine. Uh, next one's called Food Truck, don't really know what to say about that. Um, there is a video game that's become rather popular called Overcooked, which is all about cooking and cooking with others and having to do things quickly. And I think that's kind of what they're going for, like an order-up thing. It should be a very fast-paced thing. I I don't know, but food truck. Um, Berlin's Arcade is the next one. Uh, What I find interesting there is they mention that it's based on 8-Ball Deluxe. I owned an 8-Ball Deluxe once, and I enjoyed it. Um, Not necessarily for the flow, Or the way it was laid out. It was just what I enjoyed was the simplicity of the game. It was very clear. You hit down the seven drop targets and then you go for the eight ball. That's what I liked about it. Um, So very curious. I mean they're bragging that it's based on eight ball deluxe. So I don't know. Very unique there. And so far these are three things that like. I mean maybe if I was a youth pastor. And was talking about potentially getting a pinball machine. Once you hear there's a bible themed one. Yeah, let's do it. Let's expense it. You know, maybe that's something. Or a food truck one, maybe a restaurant would be all about that. But, you know, like I'm a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. So as soon as I heard there was a turtle theme, like I started saving my money. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't heard it. I hadn't done anything. But it was turtles. Like I bought it because it was turtles. So far, none of these themes uh, do I think anybody would jump on just because of what the theme is. With that said, the next thing that they said is they got the Who um, the band, the who. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure there is already a who pinball machine, but I don't know. They, they got the Who, So I, I guarantee there's, there are some who fans out there that would probably jump on this just because it is the who. Now they have one called gladiator. If you read the little synopsis, it sounds exactly like the storyline from the actual Russell Crowe movie, the gladiator. Um, but obviously it's its own art. It's not that at all. But what's very interesting is they said this is based off the layout from 3D Space Cadet. 3D Space Cadet was a Windows PC pinball game that I think a lot of us have all played. This was way before Pinball FX and whatnot. It's a very interesting layout. And so apparently they have taken that layout, made it physical, and then gave it Gladiator. So I don't know if they're shooting for people to, to kind of, you know, kind of have a... Uh, a relatable feeling back towards the 3d space cadet cabinet online and think i can't wait to play that in person i don't know but that's apparently gladiator they have yukon yeti yukon yeti they describe it as goofy and light-hearted which to me sounds childish if you look at the artwork that also looks childish so it sounds like this is something they are trying to market more towards children But they do mention that this is a sequel to Whitewater. So Whitewater is a very respected game. It looks like it's actually made by the same designer who made Whitewater. Whitewater was a very cool game. So I don't know. If you're a huge Whitewater fan, maybe that's something that gets you all excited. Uh, They have another one called Machine Age. They describe it as two diesel punk heroes. So kind of a Mad Max-ish feel. Uh, Don't know. Don't, once again, I mean, I'm... Like, I'm talking about theme. I bought Turtles because it's Turtles. But at the same time, I bought TNA, Total Nuclear Annihilation. Do I love futuristic Armageddon-type themes? Is that something that gets me going? No. So, I can buy a game, even if I'm not obsessed with the theme. That's fine. But very curious there. I mean, a lot of these games, it really depends on the technology in them, the way it shoots, the toys, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there are... There, theme is very important, But yet you can still have a good game without a killer theme. But if I had to put money on one or the other, I'd get a killer theme. Um, The next theme, it's the title is to be determined. They don't know yet, but they're describing it as a black hole like game with multi-level playfield. So black hole actually has that was a game that had a playfield underneath the playfield. But the flippers, it was leaning the different directions. So the flippers would flip towards you so very unique layout, very unique layout, and that's what they're bragging about. Like this is this is a black hole light game, but it we have like completely changed what we're talking about with multi-level play fields. So that could be pretty interesting. Then they advertise Magic Girl. They've said, you know, we tried Magic Girl before and we didn't finish it. How similar it's gonna be to the original? I don't know. Are they gonna use the same art? I don't know. Is the layout gonna be completely different? I don't know, but they're advertising Magic Girl. Which some people may be excited about, but other people, you know, that's just nothing but bad memories. So very curious. And then the last thing that they mentioned, all they said was, hey, you guys, 2021. So if you guys know, hey, you guys, that is a direct quote from the Goonies. So that is, they have said that they have an 80s theme, an 80s theme sell. And there's plenty of people out there that are huge Goonies fans. And so to me... You know, I understand why they started with Raza. You have to start with, you know, you have to get a game under your belt. But do I expect Raza to sell really, really well? Probably not. So what game would I guarantee will sell better than all your other titles? The Goonies. There will people that will buy that game just because it's the Goonies. So I would hope that that is the machine that they are working on next. Once they're done with Raza, I would hope the Goonies is next. Just because in my mind, you go with the Goonies next and then potentially the Who after that. You get your big, you know, license themes right there, get the ball rolling. And if you can get people to fall in love with your technology or platform or believe in you as a company, sure, at that point, start throwing in some of these other titles, which is really interesting. So that's about it for Deep Root. There's a lot there. I know this has been a longer podcast. Um, but to me, I mean, what I understand. Is In this hobby, all pinball companies, they're just looking for the next must-have feature. And what I mean by that is you look at collectors and as soon as LCD screens came out, they started selling their DMD games just because they're like, man, the LCD screen does so much more. And uh, then, I mean, there are collectors that have that mentality of like, I really don't like getting older games anymore just because I really like what an LCD brings to the table. That's not everybody, but there's some. So like an LCD screen now, all games have to have one. It's very important. Recently, Stern released co-op mode in TNA or TMNT. TNA already had co-op mode and there. So now there's this grown love and affection towards co-op mode. And I think it's actually brought a mode or uniqueness to or a feature to games that allow people to play the game in a better or different way with their family. To the point that during the uh, the Avengers reveal, people were just bombarding Jack and the crew with, is there co-op mode? Is there co-op mode? Is there co-op, co-op mode? And to me, it seems like co-op mode is going to become a very expected or almost required feature in new games. And so there may be people that start to make the rule of like, that's my favorite way to play. That's my favorite way for my family to play. So you know what? I don't really want to own any game unless it has co-op mode. So that's that might be a must-have feature. Uh, RGB lighting would be another thing. Almost all new games have RGB lighting because it can communicate so much more. It can add so much more to the light show. Like it is a feature that some people, when they look at older games, they're just, they think they look kind of boring now because they're missing those types of things. So, with this, do I feel like Deep Root is trying to potentially make that next great thing? Maybe the pin bar, the touch sensitive lockdown bar, is the next thing that people must have. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe people. Get one and they love looking straight down and that's where they can see their score and they never want to look up at an LCD screen again and they're like, this makes so much more sense. This is so much better. And if that's the thing, if they can find something that that really ropes people in, you know, I could see people potentially selling off some of their old machines and investing more in this new technology. Another thing would be online play. I absolutely think online play is going to become something that people really enjoy. And they've obviously spent a lot of time writing software that does that stuff. So if you get in a community where you have friends that are doing that, I mean, P3 Multimorphic kind of already has that. And there's a handful of streamers that all do that. And they stream, it seems like once a week where they're competing each other or their Twitch streams are kind of competing against each other. That's a really cool feature and if and if that's something that the online play feature of this works well and that actually catches on and that becomes, you know, a way that people, that's the only pe- way that people want to play, you know, you look at video gaming, a lot of the most popular games now are all games that you play online versus each other. It's not really by yourself one-on-one or two-player local two-player games anymore and so that could potentially be a feature that somebody expects or a must have for them to buy a new game. You must have the online play capabilities. And if Deep Root has their own system where they try to lock people in, you know, it's kind of like Apple versus Android or whatnot. Like, are you part of my group or are you not part of my group? So I don't know. I don't, I think what I'm realizing is every pinball company is pursuing that, trying to find that next innovation. Maybe that's not the best word, but that's what they're trying to do. Find the next thing that is going to force people to want your game over other games or force, you know, force you to sell some of your machines to make room for this new machine kind of thing. And um, that's what I do see here. That's the positive side of this is I think they have taken a lot of risk at trying to innovate or create new features for a lot of different areas of a pinball machine. Are some of them necessary in my book? No. No. I did not need a new box to ship a pinball machine. I didn't need it. (laughs) But others could be really cool and could be something that, you know, here we are. We look back to JJP and Wizard of Oz and think that LCD screen is what made all the LCD screens mandatory. Once they did it, they did it well. If Stern never hopped on that train and only did DMD games, I think there would be more and more people buying JJP. But that was a feature that people realized this is a must-have. And so is there a chance that Deeproot has developed a feature that will become commonplace amongst other or other manufacturers? Maybe. I don't know. But there, I'm very curious here. Very curious to see what more will be reported or what more will come out. Very curious at what show or when the first thing. I know they're talking about like a virtual pinball Chicago Expo. So will Deeproot have a section during that where they're going to show stuff off? I don't know. I hope so. But um, I just know a lot of people are spending their time right now talking about Deep Root in a way of is this is this is this company ever even going to ship one game? How can you know, is this the beginning of the end is I don't know, they're speaking of it in a very hard light. And I think there's reason for that. But at the same time, I would say I was impressed with with just the overall um, they it's clear that they have been doing things and they are trying to do things to move the, the pinball hobby forward. Do I feel like it's met what I saw these pictures and what I read today? Did it meet the expectations and the overall arrogance that Deep Root's had for the last few years? No, um, they're not the messiah of pinball machines. But at the same time, there there are some really cool features here that I, I, I'm i definitely curious of and would like to see more. So, I don't know. That's my spin. That's my take. There's been a lot that's happened with Deep Root. Hopefully this was an informative podcast like always, I want to thank This Week in Pinball, not only because they they reported all this information, but they also have their promoter's database. They support people that make pinball content, which is awesome. I'm on the promoter's database. I'm happy to report I'm back in the top 10, which is awesome. So feel free to leave me a review there. Just another pinball. If you have any questions, if you have any feedback, if you have any corrections, because there's probably tons of them in this Feel free to email me at pinball at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook as Just Another Pinball. I stream on Twitch, Just Another Pinball stream. So I'm easily accessible. Feel free to reach out to me. But hopefully this was enjoyable. And um, yeah, I will talk to you guys real soon. Thanks.